Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and I'm very thankful to be your host. We're going to be looking today at the steel of Hammerapi. I've done a few podcasts in times past, but we're doing it based on Titus Kennedy's wonderful book, Unearthing the Bible, 101 Archaeological Discoveries that Bring the Bible to, to Life. I suggest you get it, pass out copies. I don't see how anybody can read this a book like this and then like doubt the Bible again. You know, I see all these famous people on YouTube debating the Bible back and forth and some becoming some type of quasi-Christian and all this. And I'm like, man, I mean, you can believe your Bible. It's a historical document. Check out the other 1,500 podcasts or so we've got here on the channel for further verification and on a variety of topics, as a matter of fact, as far as archaeology is concerned. So let's get started. Thanks for being here. Do leave us a five-star review and share with your friends, family, church, family. Just ways to help people find us. Spotify sent me a thing saying that's the top way people find us. So uh, the date of Hammurapi, 1750 B.C., discovered in Susa, originally from Sapor. And uh, let's see what it says. We've also done... Several podcasts comparing ancient law codes with the Bible. There's a great book. Boy, I can picture the book. I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it. I want to say it's Chambers or something, but that's not it. Okay, so the steel of Hammurabi, carved from basalt, standing seven and a half feet tall, was inscribed with 282 laws. As I take a drink of water, in Old Akkadian from the famous 18th century B.C. Code of Hammurabi, of course, the Old Testament has 613 laws. What is it? 365 positive laws and 200 and whatever the case is, negative laws, 248. <coughs> one is for every day of the year and one is for each bone in the body. It was found during excavations at ancient Susa, but the steel was probably transported from an original location in Sapor to the place of its discovery in Susa by the Elamites in the 12th century B.C., that'd be the 1100s. So a steel has a little thing here as a monument or stone or a wooden slab erected for commemorative purposes, usually inscribed with writing and decoration and occasionally painted. Many famous steels throughout, or steles as some pronounce it, <coughs> throughout history. The image at the top of the stele shows the sun god Shamash associated with justice, seated on a throne in Hammurabi, king of Babylon, standing in front of him. According to the epilogue, anyone could come to read the stele, and it was probably erected in public area. So in the time before printing presses and all that, that would be the way to get laws and moral codes out there. Kind of a pre-Ten Commandments. Composed around 1750 B.C., the code contains information from the uh, era about contracts, social customs, punishments, and economics. Since the code is from the approximate time of Jacob and Joseph, the laws, customs, and prices found in the code uh, reflect information and customs from that period. They're also found in the book of Genesis, such as premier status being given to the son of the first wife regardless of birth order, or the loss of birthright due to offense against the family, like in the case of Reuben. Laws 170 and 171 state to give the inheritance portion to the son of the first wife, 
not the son of the female slave. We're looking at Sarah and uh, Hagar here, which is also reflected in Genesis when Isaac was made the heir because he was born of Sarah, even though Ishmael had been chronologically the firstborn son, but was born of Hagar, the slave. Um, I do find it fascinating he was getting the law from the sun god, too. Many years later, Reuben lost his firstborn birthrights due to the serious offense against the family of defiling his father's bed. The Code of Hammurabi, Laws 158 and 168 169, contain rules and customs about loss of the birthright due to the name uh, serious offense uh, against the family. And uh, I feel like I'm coming down with a cold or something. When Joseph was sold into slavery to Ishmaelite traders, only decades after the reign of Amarapi, his purchase price was shekels, which is the exact value of a slave, uh, stated in the Code of Hammurabi in Laws 116, 214, and 252. Earlier law codes state lower prices, such as that of Ur-Namu in about 2050 BC, where the value of a slave was 10 shekels. Now, I may have found an error in this book because it doesn't say like 30 shekels or 20 shekels. So I'm making myself a note there. First time I've noticed it. 10 shekels, then 15 shekels in the laws of Ishnuna about 1930 BC. Prices continue to increase, and after the time of Hammurabi, we find examples of 30 shekels in Ugarit in the 14th century BC and 50 shekels in Assyria during the 8th century BC. So, But slow and steady inflation. The data shows that the prices differed according to time period, and the Code of Hammurabi demonstrates that the slave price of 20 shekels paid for Joseph and recorded in Genesis coincides with the approximate time of Hammurabi in the 18th century BC, which is also the date determined for Joseph being chronological information, uh, using chronological information found in the Bible. The laws, customs, and prices found in the Code of Hammurabi from the 18th century BC in the Middle Bronze Age and patriarchal narratives from the time of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph in Genesis suggest that the events occur at the same period and accurate reflect conditions at the same time and the superiority of the Bible laws uh, is seen, but we won't go into that here. Excuse me. So God bless you. Thanks for being here with us. Join us daily. Maybe make a journal or notebook things you find interesting and share with your friends, family, church family. And leave us a five-star review. Again, helps people to find us. So we'll talk with you later. Pray for us. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.